I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Kate Nibbs. Welcome to Damage Control on the Channel 33 Network, a podcast where we unpack what upsets, excites, and divides us in popular culture. This week, we're talking about incels, otherwise known as involuntary celibates. It's an online community that gained horrible relevancy this week after a killer in Toronto cited the movement as motivation for his crimes. But first, Kanye West is in the building. He's back on Twitter. He's back promoting new music. But also, he's doubling down on his support for Donald Trump, and he's promoting some other unsavory right-wing figures. We're going to step back and assess where exactly Kanye West went wrong. And we should say we recorded this segment slightly before Donald Trump himself entered the fray. Uh, He retweeted Kanye and offered his support for Kanye. He sort of retweeted Kanye saying, I love Trump, (laughs) basically. And also, so in our discussion about Kanye, we mentioned that a lot of people have sort of defended him by saying he might his promotion of Trump might somehow be tied to mental health issues and I just wanted to make a note that since we recorded this session Kim Kardashian and Chancellor Rapper have both come out on Twitter and like publicly refuted that notion so with all of that out of the way we're on to the show easy we hope you're listening last week Kanye West reemerged to announce, via Twitter, the upcoming release of new music from himself, from Kid Cudi, from Nas, and his good music label mates. Unfortunately, Kanye is also doubling down on his fondness for President Donald Trump, and now also for uh, other beacons and, and pundits uh, on the alt-right, or sort of on the right wing in general. So he praised the right-wing pundit Candace Owens, who said a lot of critical and unsavory things about Black Lives Matter and the civil rights movement. And Scott Adams, the Dilbert creator, who's also become a sort of strange uh, right-wing web pundit in his second life. So weird. Um, It's Kanye's right-wing political drift has unleashed great angst into the world, I would say, if my if my Twitter timeline is any indication. Definitely. Uh, it's shocking on the one hand, but it's also very much in line with Kanye's personality, um, his bombast, his, his, I would say his general penchant for provocation. So, Kate, mm-hmm. what do we think is going on here? Like, how much of this is, I, there, it feels like there's a weird divide of how much of, of Kanye's sort of tweeting about Donald Trump and sort of quasi alt right slash alt light right wing thought is trolling versus how much of it is sincere, how much of it is influenced by maybe sort of, I think, a lot of uh, assumptions people make about his mind state right now. Like, I can't tell how much of this is real, how much of it is trolling, and how much is just Kanye sort of being in a bad place personally. I, I don't. No, I feel like there's a lot of armchair psychology going on and trying to diagnose his mental state. And like, I don't think anyone knows what exactly is going on in his mind. But I don't, you know, when it comes to like whether it's trolling or whether it's sincere, I don't really care. I think what he's doing is unsettling because he's like a, you know, pop culture icon that a lot of people look up to and he's endorsing some bad people but um yeah i don't 
I don't know if we'll ever like fully be able to understand like whether how sincere he is in his public persona. Do you think he's trolling? Do you think he's sincere? Well, it's I think a lot of Kanye fans mm-hmm. avail him of this excuse of like, well, he this is sort of a ruse maybe. Like, it's almost that people sort of gesture at the idea that, well, he's promoting new music. Maybe this is just sort of album promotion. And you it's a only shitty sh- ruse. Right. Though. It's a shitty ruse. If it is. Like- and it also just seems to, like, the fact that he, you know, again, he, he endorses Trump after the election, I should say, in which he didn't vote, <laughs> um, back in November 2016, right? He just sort of disappears for a while. And it's interesting to me that he reemerges to talk about Candace Owens' In Scott Adams, because those two people on the right are people who it's almost like Jordan Peterson core, right? Like they're specifically people you would stumble across by spending way too much time on YouTube. I feel like it's <laughs> only a matter of time before. Kanye. Yeah, like they are for sure going to have some sort of. Summit. That's quite the you, Kanye. Uh, it's yeah. just, you know, that weird accent. A terrible just- summit. <laughs> I don't buy the trolling excuse, really. I'm sure it's not a coincidence that he is reappearing on Twitter just as he's promoting new music. But I don't if he isn't sincere, it's still still not okay. Right. Maybe someone you wouldn't expect or somebody you would expect who's famous to some degree Mm -hmm. will pop up in the news because they said something nice about Trump or they maybe just in general said some politically askew or naive thing. Mm -hmm. So like over the same weekend where Kanye was tweeting about Scott Adams and Candace Owens, Shania Twain, right, comes out of nowhere in this Guardian interview (laughs) and says, oh, yeah, I would have voted for Trump. Like he's Frank. He's, you know, I I, Trump uh, is the opposite of bullshit. And I would have voted for the thing that wasn't bullshit. And Shania, first of all, like gets this backlash on Twitter and immediately apologizes and said, I don't actually agree with him about anything. You know, I was just trying to suggest that like Trump is sincere and that's why I like him. But people canceled, people canceled, as it were, that, mm-hmm. that the Twitter term canceled, right? Like people, people responded to Shania Twain in a very swift, uncomplicated, decisive way. It was like everyone roasted Shania Twain. <laughs> and then we all just sort of moved on. Right. There was no angst about like, oh, what is this? What does this mean for Shania Twain fandom? And I think Shania Twain's less active than Kanye, obviously. But there's a sense in which Kanye is the only celebrity I've seen this happen to where Kanye fans who are very vehemently anti-Trump, who don't like the sort of post-Trump direction of the country, Mm -hmm. have been kind of ambiguous and ambivalent. And I'm trying to locate what it is about Kanye that would make somebody who would immediately cancel Shania Twain and even cancel Taylor Swift for not speaking out against Trump, but also not voting for him or saying she would have voted him for him like Kanye did. Like, what's the thing that would lead even the most vehemently anti-Trump Kanye fan to sort of say, well, wait a minute, we got to sort out the facts here. Like, what is it? I think there's a few different things. I think when Kanye... Was on the up and up. He very famously said George W. Bush doesn't care about black people at the Katrina fundraiser. I think this was 2004. Yeah, Um, that was like sort of a lot of people's introduction to the idea of Kanye as like a political pundit in addition to a rapper. Um, And so I think that 
cultivated a lot of goodwill amongst uh, like Democrats, some left wing people. Uh, so there's a sense of people having this one idea of Kanye and having to now adjust it and be like, oh, he's not the person I thought he was. Whereas no one was really expecting Shania Twain to be like right. a, a radical. <laughs> um, and then I also think it is the the fact that Kanye has had uh, a lot of really public struggles with his mental health and people have this tendency to not want to pile on someone who's having a public struggle. Um, And I think, yeah, I think it's like a combo of people wanting to still feel good about loving Kanye. Like, I want to still feel good about loving Kanye. I can't. (laughs) I still love him as an artist, but I think he... He's making some really bad choices as a person. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I think that people, you know, have a, an immense amount of love for him and want to give him outs. And there are some reasons to maybe excuse his behavior. I don't think they're justified. I, th- I don't think we should excuse this. Yeah. This is not acceptable. I mean, you talk, you were, me. you were mentioning, right, like this idea that this particular moment in Kanye's sort of quasi-political credibility is basically the opposite of how a lot of people were introduced to his politics. Yeah. With the George Bush comments at the Katrina telethon. That's true. So that that sense of contrast is true in one sense. But I think in another sense, the way Kanye is thinking and behaving and articulating himself right now is actually very on brand and very consistent, right? Like one thing – so Rob Harvilla and I wrote about Kanye together. Great piece. Because we were struggling to write about him individually. We wrote about him together in a piece for The Ringer. And one thing I honed in on was this idea of, like, the Kanye rant. Like, if you think of Kanye, you know, Kanye at this point, he's in, he does fashion stuff. He pretends to know things about philosophy and is now writing a philosophy book. He's an expansive guy, mm-hmm. right? And to me, outside of just his music, like his, his big songs— his signature art form is the Kanye rant, right? And the Kanye rant is this thing he sort of develops in media. Like the, the first, like, outside of, um, it's like around the time that Yeezus is coming out and he's on tour for Yeezus. And he starts ranting about the media and all this stuff at his shows. He, keep, you know, he does these, like, 20-minute spiel sometimes at his shows where he's just sort of getting things off his chest um, in a very, like, petty, incomplete thoughts that are mostly about just sort of venting Mm -hmm. to a captive audience. And he's done it in interviews, too. Like, I think, you know, I think of the hour interview he did with Zane Lowe in 2003 that, like, so many Kanye quotes come from that one interview. Uh, It's like a video interview. And I just look at the Kanye rant, and it's it's such a, like, proto-Trumpian rhetorical construct, right? Like one thing I thought about a lot when I was writing the piece with Harvilla is like think of the difference between a Muhammad Ali rant and a Kanye West rant. Because like Muhammad Ali, you think of like you think of his outburst and you think of a guy talking about his superiority in the form that he's a master of. Mm-hmm. Um, and also maybe talking about politics, but talking about it in these ways that do seem anchored to a concern for other people. And a concern for history, whereas the Kanye version of that kind of outburst is amazingly self-centered and ignorant and sort of like sporadic and not connected 
and I think egomaniacal. Yeah, it's not underpinned by an actual political philosophy in the same like in the way that Muhammad Ali. Right, was. and when he gets in when he gets into ranting about things outside of uh, music, even it's like it's not even underpinned by expertise. Okay, you just like this conversation is really freaking me out because I am starting to draw more of a parallel between Kanye's rhetoric and Trump's and. Uh, the possibility of Kanye actually becoming our president has never been more real to me than in this moment. Like, I'm getting a little concerned. Kim would make a fantastic first lady, but I really, that is not something I want to happen. And yeah, this is, this is freaking, I'm getting, I'm freaked out. Yeah, but it's, I mean, apart from the, I think, parallels between how Kanye speaks and how Trump speaks, it's just, after you listen to enough Kanye rants, you sort of understand how the terminus for that is, oh, yeah, he gets into right-wing YouTube videos that are that are totally about, like, if you're talking about jo- Jordan Peterson or anyone else in that sort of orbit of right-wing but in denial about the fact that it's right-wing because mm-hmm. they're pretending it's just objective truth. But right-wing sort of web communities, mm-hmm. they're all about exploiting that sense of grievance they're all about pandering to that sense of like, you're a genius free thinker, and the problem is that uh, liberals just want to oppress you with considerations of other people. <laughs> I really feel like if you were to give someone a quiz of like, did Kanye or Trump say it, it would be a hard quiz. <laughs> like, I'm, sorry, I'm getting freaked out right now. <laughs> Because I think that they also come, like he was saying on Twitter that they're very similar. And I actually think that they have similar approaches to life. Um, It's just that Kanye makes great music. (laughs) Whereas Trump has never made anything great. (laughs) America notwithstanding. But they're Uh, showmen. Right. Opportunistic showmen. Right. And it, with Kanye, I think for a long time, I think the reason people did not initially, mm-hmm. like I would say from 2013 until I think very recently, look at Kanye's rants and his that sort of form of Kanye expression as troublesome and distressing is because people could sort of just put Kanye in the context of, oh, this guy is a great performer. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a lot of people attribute this sort of reputation of genius to Kanye and they don't just mean that in terms of his music. I think they take him seriously as a quote unquote thinker. But I think I think in a broad sense, Kanye, even if you looked at him and saw personal distress, you could only you could sort of not take it seriously because the guy's a performer. I think after a country elects a game show host president with horrible ideas <laughs> Yeah. About well, management for one, but also just horrible ideas about politics and human rights and things like that. You know, Kanye's platform looks a lot more perilous. Yeah, I honestly think that the thing I'm going to take away from this conversation is not to let him off the hook. I hope if he is having any sort of mental health issues that he gets help, but not to let him off the hook for his public statements and also to be wary of them <laughs> yeah because even even if kanye even if for whatever reason that you can sort of uh there's anything to mitigate kanye's sort of judgment as like a a factor in his drift toward trump and all these other people 
it's still the case that he he certainly has a sort of credibility that now these people are going to exploit. Mm-hmm. Right. And that his fans are going to mistake for something. Like, again, he's a rapper. Like, a lot of his fans are young and impressionable. A lot of jo- the people who stumble into, like, Jordan Peterson videos are young and impressionable. Regardless of what Kanye's intentions are, you know, there is a practical effect of all of this. Like, conf- Kanye is an influential figure. He's an influential performer. And I just think that – I think we have to think long and hard about, like, why Kanye's politics – do matter as much as I, I wish that the politics of every celebrity on the sun didn't matter. I, I think they do. I just think that, yeah, again, it's like Trump is president. Like things are different. Yeah. Kanye himself doesn't seem to take it seriously, but I look at Kanye and I look at his platform and think, I think what you think, right? Like, I think it, it is not that much of a difference between Kanye, you know, Kanye leveraging his platform to sell a bunch of albums in June Versus Kanye leveraging his platform toward, like, substantial political credibility in a really bad way. So should we, like, buy his albums to sort of encourage him to keep just making music and not become a politician? I think I'm going to bootleg his album. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. No. Et cetera, et cetera. Now to talk about something even more disturbing somehow than uh, Kanye West presidency. I want to talk about incel culture. This week in Toronto, a man drove a van into a crowd of pedestrians deliberately, killed 10 people, injured over a dozen others. And, you know, this attack resembled a lot of different van attacks that have happened in Europe over the past few years. And the drivers have sort of been called terrorists because they've, you know, either affiliated themselves with ISIS or, or other sort of known terrorist groups. This time it was different because the killer wrote on Facebook uh, about his motivation and he said, the incel rebellion has begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman, Elliot Roger. And that might sound like a lot of gibberish. I'll, I'll break it down. The, the important thing to take away is that he was praising Elliot Rogers. So that's the guy who killed a bunch of people in California in 2014 and sort of blamed women. He left this misogynistic manifesto on the Internet saying that, you know, he had grown crazed with violent thoughts after no woman would sleep with him. And now he's sort of a figurehead in this incel community. And so do you do you know what incel means? I do know what it means. <laughs> I do know it. So it's involuntary celibate. Yes. Uh, I also remember Elliot Rogers. I remember reading the Elliot Roger manifesto. Can you explain to me the, the quote? The incel rebellion has become begun. Yes. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman, Elliot Roger. So first of all. What is the incel rebellion? It's not a formal thing, I guess, thank God. But it's this idea that involuntary celibates, um, which is mainly men who believe they cannot have a sexual partner 
um, because outside forces have sort of conspired against them, whether it's feminism or so a Chad is a really um, stereotypically attractive alpha male in, in the incel parlance. And a Stacy is um, like a promiscuous woman who only wants to sleep with the Chads of the world. Got it. Okay, so the incel rebellion is basically the idea that all of the people who can't get laid should rise up and seize power from the the normies, the Chads and Stacys. But w- so, what does that mean? So, because they're saying we will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. What does that mean? This seems like one of the more extreme examples of someone inciting the incel rebellion. But I think it's just the idea that, like, the people who identify as incels should wrest control of society. Right. And I think a lot of times when it's online, people are probably saying this in a tongue-in-cheek way. Like, I don't think that everyone in the incel community— is violent or some of them might be nice in real life, but there is this discussion that's been going on and now it, it seems to have produced an actual act of, of mass violence. Right. I mean, okay. Wow. Uh, this seems complicated, right? Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of masculine violence, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the co- I feel like a lot of masculine violence is animated by, anxieties that like about women mm-hmm. I guess I'd say I feel like there's a lot of violence that men carry out in the name of being frustrated about women I guess is what I mean and I think just a lot of masculine behavior in general mm-hmm. could be described as that so how much is this like I guess when you describe incels to me I'm trying to situate it in context with uh, or in conversation with like pickup artists culture and men's rights activist culture like where does where does this fall in the context of those things which I also associate with web communities yeah so they're I've seen them classified as all part of the manosphere they're all interconnected like some people who identify as pickup artists obviously would not be incel if they're successful <laughs> pickup artists incels are definitely overlapping if there's a Venn diagram there's a lot of overlap like with the men's rights movement One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is because I'm seeing all of these explainers of, like, what is incel culture? Like, what does it mean? And I think it's really important to remember, and I haven't seen this coming up in the media, that this is is not some new movement that emerged out of nowhere on the Internet. This is part of a tradition of, like, male violence against women or— because of because of women because right. of yeah. women yeah and i think it's important like i i think we should i think people more people should know about incels because it's an example of how how angry young men can get radicalized online but we shouldn't also we shouldn't treat it as like a phenomenon without precedent right but how do i mean it's okay so the incel communities mm-hmm. How do they initially organize themselves? I guess that's the thing I'm trying to imagine, right? Is this really all just sort of men initially finding each other and grouping together based on, you know, pretty standard frustration about wishing they were having more sex than they're having? It's really interesting because the term incel was actually coined by a woman in Toronto um, in the 90s. Um, She was a university or graduate student who felt like no one 
like she was, you know, sexually unattractive. And so she created this website about involuntary celibacy and uh, it it was like an early web forum. And what was the tone of it? Like was Apparently, so she did a she did an interview with Elle a few years ago and it wasn't initially like gendered because she was a female, she was heterosexual, so she it wasn't it wasn't what it evolved into at all. Um it didn't have this misogyny at its core. Um but then she sort of apparently w- sort of just lost interest and sold the website. Um, and people ended up adopting the phrase and turning it into this specifically gendered thing and not like what she when she used the phrase incel, she was just saying like putting a button on the unique or the universal experience of like feeling unlovable, which isn't only something that men go through. And then it ended up getting sort of taken over by not only just men with low self-esteem, but men who, like, specifically blamed women and feminism for their lack of romantic success. Right. I feel like a lot of thinking, especially thinking that proliferates online, is parasitic in this way. Mm Because it just reminds me of how... Pepe. (laughs) Well, that, but, okay, Pepe, but it also reminds me of how The Matrix, it's like the Wachowskis, who are these amazingly progressive people... They make the matrix and it gets appropriated by, <laughs> by the scum. You must be of so the... sad about that. Yeah. yeah, I would love to know what the Wachowskis think about. Yeah, I mean, the legacy of the matrix and red pilling and all of this stuff. Yes, and so the red pill, that sort of phrase is used by incels too. Like there is a ton of overlap between the men's rights activists and the incel community. It's just. It seems like oh, and so the incel community, like particularly, they called um, this guy called Elliot Roger, the supreme um, gentleman, I believe. Yes, the supreme gentleman. So they've really taken him on as a figurehead, like a martyr. Yeah, or as a or yeah. What's it? Wait, what's this? Wait, hold on. What's the status of Elliot Rogers? Like, where is he? What's his? He's dead. So they've adopted him. As they've a adopted martyr. him as a martyr, and I feel like with this latest attack, it still remains to be seen. Reddit. Um, just banned and like they they banned an incel group after the Elliot Roger attack. They've banned another one, I think, in the wake of this one. Right. It's worth keeping an eye on, and it's worth people being aware that this movement has sort of turned violent. It seems to me that a lot of a lot of things that were once the provenance of quirky, distressing, dark web undercurrent discussion are edging closer and closer to being a part of the national political discourse in a really urgent Mm -hmm. and stark way, Uh, which is, I mean, to me, that's sort of my read on the situation. I don't know, like, how how close are we to there being Senate hearings about incels? I give it six months. Lord, I'm not looking forward to that at all. (laughs) Well, in the meantime... I just hope I do not have to see a Donald Trump tweet with the word incel in it. (laughs) Or a Kanye tweet. With the word incel in it. Oh, Lord. Okay. I'm Justin Charity. I'm Kate Nibbs. That's Damage Control. That's it for us this week. We'll see you again in two weeks from now. In the meantime... 
Kanye, pull it together, buddy. I can't take any more of these tweets. I'm gonna be like 50 Cent. I'm never reading that page ever again. I'm gonna mute you, bro. I'm gonna mute you. Also, mute the term incel. Oh my God.